Hello everyone. You know, as we near this holiday season, does anyone feel overwhelmed? I mean, do you do you have joy in your life or are you a little cranky? If I ask for a show of hands, how many feel the holiday season from Thanksgiving to New Year's Day is one of the most stressful seasons of the year? I don't know if there's if it's if this is appropriate analogy or not. But we often feel like a chicken with our head cut off during this season. And if you haven't seen a chicken flopping around without his head, I know, I know it's gross, but man, it scared me half to death when I was nine years old and I saw that for the first time. But it's an analogy we use all the time. You know, many of us find ourselves overworked and overcommitted and overextended financially. We have a multiplicity of commitments and activities and places to be before we can call this season over. And we look forward to our family gatherings, but but on the other hand, if we're honest, we kind of dread the toll it takes on us. I mean, the travel, the preparation, the putting up and the taking down. And we wonder, is it really worth it? Is it really worth it? And many of us are resigned to the fact that rest will not come until after the new year has arrived. Until then, we will be in a state of panic, unpreparedness, and agitation. And that phrase, peace on earth and goodwill to men, yeah, it's just going to have to wait until this season is over. Then that might happen. You know, I don't know if we can ever cure the holiday blues. I mean, I don't. But I believe there is a possibility of finding peace, shalom, in the busy times of our lives. Now, this is not a quick solution. It, it really does require a different vision, a different mentality, a different way of looking at the world. Actually, a different way of even looking at oneself. You know, as Americans, we're not too good at this. I mean, kind of slowing down, we're driven people. And we see production as who we are. And if we're not producing, making headway, getting ahead in this world, we think we're behind. Yeah, and I'm one of the worst when talking about this concept. <laughs> you know, truly I am. I mean, I work too much. I like everything in its proper place. I love organization and getting things done. Being productive, yeah, it's at the top of my list. And while I'm, I'm very faithful, with my like my quiet times every morning, I'm not very good at turning off the spigot of, of work when I go home. And having no kids in the house makes it easy to work into the evenings. You know, what I believe God is offering is a long-term solution to my dysfunctional mindset, which views production as a value in my life. I mean, anybody else with me? We believe our production is where our significance is found. We believe our worth. I mean, other people may believe their worth can be found in, in their intelligence or in the beauty or in their wealth. And we spend all our lives chasing after that which can never satisfy nor bring eternal happiness. And let me just give you the big idea for today's lessons. Just, just the big idea for this lesson. To God, our value does not come from what we produce. Did that shock you? And it doesn't come from our looks or our intelligence, nor does it come from our spiritual fervor. Our value comes from the fact that we exist. 
You know, before a dime is made or a degree is completed or we memorize all the books of the Bible, we are loved. We're loved. Before we do or don't do anything, we are loved, valued, and accepted by our Heavenly Father. He loves the beings he has made in his own image. God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. No, he, he doesn't. So why? Why? Why does he do this for us? He loves his created beings. Can we even grasp this big idea? We are his created beings from our birth and are seen as valued and loved. And I don't have to, we don't have to do a thing to be accepted and loved by him. He loves all people and desires to know them. He sends the rain on the just and the unjust because he loves them. Our Heavenly Father loves us so much that he does not desire anyone to perish but all to come to the knowledge of the truth. He sent his one and only Son into this world to save the world. His love is formed out of his nature and his character and is not determined, brothers and sisters, not determined by our production or the lack thereof. And that's the big idea. And this concept is often difficult for us to grasp. See, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. All right, let me ask you a question. How many of us have made that one discovery in Scripture that makes us exclaim, why haven't I seen this before? <laughs> so the other day, I was going through a study I'd been through before with one of my favorite teachers, and, and what he said captured my attention. And I exclaimed, man, this is amazing. This changes everything. Now, before, before I tell you what that is, let's kind of dig into this last lesson on our Anatomy of Peace series. Now remember, the word shalom is the idea of completeness, wholeness, and peace. Shalom means all things are right in the world. There's harmony and there is unity. It's the idea that we are at peace with the world, at peace with one another, and at peace with ourselves. Shalom is a place where one dwells in spite of all the chaos all around us. So I want you to think back to the Israelites coming out of Egypt as former slaves. You know, for hundreds of years, they worked under the regime of the Egyptian pharaohs, producing bricks, sun up to sundown. They produced bricks. You worked and you worked. And if you didn't work, you were of no use to the regime. It was all about empire. It was all about keeping the machine moving. It was all about producing. And I wonder if we caught the same disease. You know, we are slaves to brick making. We're slaves to producing. And most of us remember the fourth commandment God gave his, his people in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven 
and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. You know, coming out of Egypt, the mindset of the Jewish people was empire and production. It was, it was what was ingrained in them for almost 400 years. And God's commandments were intended to get Egypt out of his people. In other words, it's not about many gods, but about one God and serving him. It's not about production, but about shalom and rest and Sabbath. See, from the very beginning, rest has been more important to God than production. Okay, so open your Bibles to Genesis 1. I want to show you this. Leave my mind. There's something I want, just want to show you about a phrase that's used over and over and over. It changed my total perspective on the importance of rest. All right, so Genesis 1.5, we're going to start there. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. And there was evening, and there was morning, the third day. Are, are you getting this? We're continuing to go down. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. What, what do you think is going to come next? And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. So, you may be asking, okay, James, what's so interesting about these passages? Come on, we've read them a ton in our lives. No, 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 did you see it? Did you, did you actually see it? This is so important in understanding the difference between production and peace. And it's so fundamental in understanding God's desire for you and for me, for mankind. How, how, how do we define each day? How do we define each day? I mean, how, what do we do? We begin each day with work. How did God begin each day? How did he? With rest. Not production. Remember it said, it was evening and there was morning the first day. For those of us who believe we were created for production, I would argue that we were designed for peace, for rest. Each week the Jews have a specific time for rest. A time they set aside for the Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom is a Hebrew term which means Sabbath, peace. Shabbat Shalom begins on Friday evening around 6 o'clock and ends on Saturday around 6 p.m. that following day. So, how Shabbat, you may want to know what it looks like for a typical Jewish family. What Shabbat Shalom looks like. The family will gather around a table and candles will be lit usually for each person present. And then a blessing is recited and a prayer is said. The family and those present would sing a traditional Jewish song, maybe the one called Peace Be Upon You. The parents would then get up and place their hands on the head of each individual and child and give them a blessing. And then the parents would actually bless each other. And after this brief kind of worship time, the meal would finally begin with bread. And while we know, while we know Jesus is our Sabbath and a specific day is not intended to be enforced upon believers, I get that. But is there not a direct correlation of God's desire for rest and our need for rest? 
I mean, is there not a time for us as families, as individuals, to put down our work and be at peace, to enjoy a time of Shabbat, Shalom, a Sabbath, peace? See, the Hebrew writer says, So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. God rested from his work. If God rested from his work, should we not do the same? I mean, should we not do the same? Okay, so the big discovery, the big discovery my teacher revealed to me, that that which kind of changed my perspective is found in the first few verses of Genesis chapter 2 at the end of the creation story. Okay, let's read Genesis 2 verses 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So, God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Okay, so, do you see it? I mean, do you see it? Did you, did you, did you catch the big discovery in that? All right, let me, let me give you a hint. The big discovery is not what's in, what's in the verse. It's what's missing from the verse. It's what's been omitted that blew my mind. How has every day ended? All six days. All six days have ended with what? And there was evening. And there was morning. All six days. The exact same phrase. So why? Why is this missing from the seventh day? Why is there no refrain on the seventh day? Why does it say, and there was evening? And there was morning, the seventh day. All right, could it be, could it be, <laughs> could it be that God desires for this day, the day of rest, to hang on, to carry on, and linger in our hearts? Is God giving us an endless invitation into his, this holy day of rest? See, I believe God is inviting us into the truth that is not confined to a specific day or time. I believe he is encouraging us and reminding us that Sabbath peace can be obtained at any time. Sabbath is a practice that supports the big idea we spoke about even at the beginning of this lesson. Do you remember the big idea? That big idea? The idea that we're all loved before we do anything? Our practice of rest in Jesus and our practice of rest in our Heavenly Father ought to prompt us to the assurance that we are loved no matter what we produce. This is a supreme Sabbath rest that is about the ground we stand on. It's about my foundation, that which supports me, and my spiritual grounding, my spiritual foundation is based on my feet being firmly planted on the shalom, on the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 26, 3 says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. That word stayed has the idea of support, secure, supporting, unshakable, unflinching, and firm. So in our mind, our soul, in our heart, is it firmly grounded in the perfect peace our Father is offering us? Is it? Are you at peace? 
Listen to 2 Timothy 2, 19. But God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. Okay, so here's a question. Describe your spiritual posture towards God. Now, take some time to think about your feet and where they spend most of their time. Are we filling our lives with the never-ending production of bricks? Or are we forming a foundation of rest and peace? Now, how many of us struggle with having this type of balance in our lives? How many of us are chasing a dream, which is fleeting at best? Okay, so let, let me just give you some practical advice. Here's some things I think we can do as families and people. Here's what we can do. Here's the first thing. Build a gate in time. All of us need a gate in time where we set boundaries around a period that is off limits to everyone, everything except rest. Here's a phrase I learned from my teacher. I want you to learn this too. Actually, I want you to repeat it in just a minute. No work. We rest. We play. We eat. God loves us. And if we own this verse in our lives, I mean, if we truly built a gate in time where this phrase became our motto during that gate in time period. Okay, so I, I just want you to say this verse with me a couple of times. So here we go. You ready? No work. We rest. We play. We eat. God loves us. Okay, one more time. Here we go. No work. We rest. We play. We eat. God loves us. This is a time when there must be a protection around us because there will always be those who will demand access to your gate. Do not give them the access code. Protect this time with your family, with your spouse, or even yourself. Protect this time. Bold faith is required for this to work. It is. Why? Because it requires saying no to that which may be good, which class, clashes maybe with God's priority of the rest of our lives. And I think about Jesus when he said this, when he, he, he said, I come away, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. See, Jesus demanded his disciples rest. He demanded they rest. So why do we feel that if we're not moving and going 90 miles an hour, we are failing? God gives us permission to rest. All right, repeat this phrase with me one more time. No work, no rest. We play, we eat. God loves us. Families, young couples, empty nesters. If you do not have a gate in time, I encourage you to develop one as soon as possible. And to be honest, right now this is something that's lacking in my life. I mean, I absolutely need to practice what I preach. All right, here's, here's B. Refresh yourselves. We must fill ourselves with that which revives our soul. This is what God did when he rested. I mean, look, look at the retelling of the Genesis passage in chapter 2 on rest from Exodus 31, verse 17. This is what it says. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. 
God was refreshed. He rested and was refreshed. I like what Albert Borgman, who's a philosopher, he said this. There, he's, he developed a thing called focal things and focal practices. Now, let me give you a couple of examples of how the, his philosophy works. The mill is a focal thing. Its preparation with everyone else is a focal practice. The wilderness is a focal thing. But hiking with your family is a focal practice. Any activity that has a commanding presence, engages one's body and mind, and engages us and others is a focal practice. And we need, we need focal practices to refresh, to replenish, to rejuvenate, to renew, to restore, and to regenerate. We need to find ways to revive our souls. So think about those practices in your life. All right, here's C, worship. Ultimately, rest flows not from a weekly pause like we're doing now, but from a person. Worship is what we do. It's not just what we do, but it's who we are. It centers us. It reminds us of our purpose and who it is that sustains us. Worship is about a person who revives our soul. We therefore worship him who is our rest, who is our shalom. Jesus said, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Okay, so let me challenge you this week. In this very busy season, take some time for purposeful and meaningful rest. Take a Shabbat Shalom, a a Sabbath peace, and live out the words we have repeated over and over one more time as we close. No work, we rest. We play, we eat. God loves us. I love you all. Blessings. Blessings.